Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors, our regular conversation about disruptive innovation in Canada and around the world. I'm John Stackhouse. If you haven't noticed, we're surrounded by a world of sensors. They're not just in our smartphones, but in our cars, homes, roads, and bridges. It's become known as the Internet of Things. And my guest today says IoT is disrupting the world by turning every company, shippers, manufacturers, farmers, into a data company. Frédéric Bastien is one of the stars of the Montreal startup scene. His latest company, Manubo, is out to transform IoT with artificial intelligence. I sat down with Frédéric at his office in Montreal's Nordelec building. Here's our conversation. Hi, Fred. Thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Let's start with this building. We're here in uh, a corner of uh, old industrial Montreal, Pont-Saint-Charles, and in what I think is the oldest brick building, or the biggest brick building. The in, biggest, actually. The biggest brick probably building the oldest, yeah. in North America. Tell us a bit about the history here. Yeah, this well, this building dates back 1913, right? And, and yeah, so it's over 100 years old, but I think what's more interesting is it was the first Nortel manufacturer, right? So basically, it's, that's why it's called the Nordelec, which is kind of a French contraction for So this Nor- is where Nortel, Nortel was born. It was their first manufacturer. So where when they, they were doing basically the, the kind of pre-war effort, building the first transistors and radios was all done in this big, massive building. And, and you, once upon a time, worked at Nortel. I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> what, on, what did. What did you do there? Um, I led uh, the wireless 2G, 3G, and then 4G product management. So I was based uh, initially in Montreal, then in Paris, and then in Texas uh, for Nortel for over six, seven years. Yeah. So a lot of echoes there. I mean, you're a connectivity guy well, from yeah, a previous I generation. moved back into this building in 2006 for a previous startup. And for me, it was a lot of signification and souvenirs, obviously. So you're now focused on uh, this really interesting company, Nubo, which you're growing. Uh, we'll get more into uh, into the history and the ambitions of, of Nubo, but your focus is on IoT, the Internet of Things. Yep. And we were looking at a wall of uh, devices and gadgets that you've got from a lot of companies you're servicing. So thermostats, light switches, smartwatches. Tell us a bit about your own IoT exposure. <laughs> how, yeah. uh, how many devices in your home are... Uh, are smart devices. Yeah, I think that's more of a, a professional, not guess, problem for my wife is I probably have over 60 different types of connected things. Uh, every new gadget that comes uh, ended up uh, getting a getting a, a version and, and installing it in my house. Um, I mean, what you see in the office here is the tip of the iceberg, really. It's what's sexier and, and more hyped today is all the smart home and connected devices you see. But Underneath that tip of the iceberg, you've got industrial and commercial equipment. And that that's where, obviously, we don't have any office, but where a lot of the business is. So let's t- talk about that iceberg. I mean, crazy numbers are attached to this in terms of the size of the market that uh, IoT may, may become. You're focused more on industrial users. Give us a sense of how big this is, especially uh, away from all the sci-fi that we hear about or the devices that we all use in our our lives. Yeah. How, I mean, how, how big is it now? How fast is it growing? It's, it's already big and it's going to get bigger than, um, obviously every analyst group out there will, will have their predictions, right? And some will, will say it's 20 billion. Others will de- say it's a hundred billion, which, whichever number is the right one, it's, it's massive. And 
at some point. I think I've seen good reports saying we had about 8 billion connected machines or equipment or devices that are not cell phones or laptops today. Um, and it's almost doubling every year. Um, the point is um, everything that runs on electricity has the potential to be connected to the internet. And now which ones make sense to connect, where, where are the return investment and so on. This is really what's going to drive 50 billion or 100 billion, right? It's, it's where, where is, is their value? And where are you seeing the most excitement and activity and investment in, in, in IoT right now? Um, it's shifting on a, on a yearly basis. There used to be a lot of investment in wearable and smart home devices and appliances. I'd say the smart home and appliances is still a pretty big market. Um, on our side, we see uh, enormous investments and traction on the on building equipment, so HVAC, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, lighting, all of these devices. We see a lot of activity on the agriculture and farming front, massive equipment there, lots of automation and lots of data-centric problems to solve. Um, obviously, like manufacturing, energy, they're all sectors. But in the end, every industry is going to be transformed by IoT, right? It, it all depends what pace they can go, and that depends on so many factors. Oh, share with us some of the use cases that you're, uh, the, the, that you're active in now and, and maybe explain what some of the problems yeah. are that you're trying to solve. Yeah, Nubo, maybe to explain a little bit the use cases, I'll explain like what we do, or at least like who we're helping with our technology, right? So, so Nubo is specialized in transforming raw, live, real-time data from machines um, and transforming it into um, a monetizable insight or action, right? And we do that for product manufacturers. So our clients, they're all whether they make thermostats or they make robots or they make irrigation systems, they make a physical product and we help them get the most out of data. Um, use cases will range from preventive maintenance and reducing truck rolls for their technicians going to fix and repair uh, the devices to saving energy, uh, to uh, saving water and, and, and so on, right? Can you explain in layman's terms what Nubo does for these big industrial customers? Sure. So these these companies um, all uh, manufacture and sell and ship uh, machines, equipments, whether they're valves and pumps uh, and tractors and others. And once they get connected to the internet, these machines generate data. Nubo has built a, a technology stack, basically a, a platform that, that runs in the cloud that can ingest the data from these machines, learn from it, uh, identify patterns, and intelligently derive insights. Insights can be, I can predict when there's going to be a failure, or I can predict how much energy is going to consume next month. And basically our goal, what we deliver to the um, to our client are insights that are monetizable and actionable in their business model. I think one of your uh, customers that we've talked about before is, uh, is in greenhouses in yes. Japan. Well, we have several clients in Japan, but that one is called Yanmar. They make construction equipment and a lot of ag equipment, tractors and so on. They are working with us on smart greenhouses. 
So you, you can you can think Japan is a special country from an agriculture standpoint, very hilly, not not so wide, unlike Canada, right? And they have a lot of greenhouses for the vegetables and so on. Uh, and they're really pushing the limits, this company, in terms of how how do you automate the greenhouses so you end up having robots and drones and sensors everywhere, but also how do you make decisions on yield, on water consumption, and so on. So without going into intellectual property here we we help them with ai and machine learning get those signals from the everything that's happening in the greenhouse and transform it into decisions tell us about the origins of nubo actually let's start yeah. with the name itself the name what, what does yeah. it mean that's what, a, where does it come that's from? a question we get all the time so it's a good uh, nubo means well the m in nubo means machine right and and that comes from well, when we started the company in 2012, you, we were talking more about machine to machine or M to M than IoT. So that's, I guess, the precursor acronym for IoT. So machines and NUBO means cloud in Esperanto, which is the universal language. So our goal was to build a universal machine cloud. And that's how the and Nubo.com was available, so that, that makes it even <laughs> more. <laughs> that, that helps. So 2012 yeah. uh, seems like a very long time ago in uh, yeah. in the age of cloud, early days in, in cloud computing for you. What what did you see that you felt others weren't seeing and you might have a shot to build a great company? Yeah, well, first you have to think about where we come from before Nubo, right, to, to understand how we got to this idea in 2012. And we come from... Uh, a background of well, two, two of us in the, we're co four co-founders. Two of us come from a wireless, uh, basically setting up wireless networks, connecting devices to wireless networks. So this was kind of, I guess, the, the IoT side of the equation. And the two other guys were experts in big, large scaling databases and machine learning, right? And our previous startup was uh, starting to attack problems on uh, scaling databases for machine to machine, but never really looking at what's inside the data. What what are the sensors communicating? So our our thought in starting the company was, hey, if we focus a little bit less on the on the telcos, on the on the Vodafones and on on the AT and Ts of this world, but we focus on the guys making these machines and can use the data from the machines, maybe there's a business there, right? A lot of big players probably looking at the same opportunity. I'm thinking of IBM, GE, Cisco, you go on and on. How did you feel you had a shot in their in their backyard? Well, I guess we were naive. So so uh, maybe Do entrepreneurs need to be naive? I think so. I think so. Really? Like we were in 2012, IBM had not announced their three billion dollar investment in IoT. That came, I think, in twenty fifteen, right? So, so to that point, yes, today you would say Oracle, IBM, SAP, Salesforce, uh, they all, GE, they all want a piece of the Internet of Things. Um, and obviously they, they are doing really good things in very specific segments where they have strengths. We carved out a niche that ends up being a pretty wide and large niche for us. But yeah, we were naive and thinking, okay, who's disrupting? A lot of people were disrupting the connectivity side. They were disrupting the application layer. They were disrupting um, the device, the actual hardware. How do you put a Wi-Fi chip into all these things at a, in a cost-efficient way? But no one was looking at the data side, and we decided to do that first. 
And you're growing the business pretty quickly. I think you've got 50 employees. Yeah, now. we're we're going to 50. We're I think we're 48 as of today, but adding eight or nine people in the next couple of weeks. So it's it's going fast. Give us some insights into what you've learned about growing a team up to 48 now. Want to add 30 people more? What have you learned through uh, through the years about attracting and grooming, developing? Talent. Well, we've we've learned a lot of things. We've learned, I mean, maybe something that was a philosophy of of everyone around in the management team from day one is first that we needed hands-on people. I don't think in a company our size, in a company that needs to grow over 100% year over year, you can have just people sitting in their tower and managing. So that was a character traits that we were looking for in our VPs and our managers. Can they roll up their sleeves and be in the trenches with the team? So the concept of, of player coach was important, at least at, in, that, in that early stage. The second thing we, we try to enforce as much as we can is, is always hire someone that's better than yourself. Because uh, there's a tendency, especially in large organizations, that to hire people that are kind of less experienced than you so you can manage them and they can fit their job description. And we try to do the opposite, right? So find the person that's going to replace you at some point, which means everyone can grow in the company. So that those are two things that we try to put in place as much as we can. But hiring is is difficult, right? Talent is the, the key pillar to, to us. And Montreal's got a great ecosystem. It's amazing how even just in five years, it's transformed, uh, especially in, uh, in, a, in AI. What's your assessment of the Montreal ecosystem? Uh, what's, what's, what's been critical to that growth and what, what does it still need? Yeah, I think the, I mean, there's, there's been obviously um, a, a fantastic research and, and academic advance on uh, and that has played a big role in in the ai ecosystem as it is today and all the news that you hear and all the i guess the 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 interest globally in investing in the montreal ai market so that that has a big uh play in into it obviously if you look at entrepreneurship as a as a bit more in a larger ecosystem uh point of view i think what you need is always repeat entrepreneurs you need examples right until you have that um, it's very hard like when i got out of university 20 plus years ago being an entrepreneur starting a company was not even an option you would work for bell or nortel or cae but even going for a startup was unusual starting your own company was completely madness um, but if you look at the, the 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 young guys coming out of McGill and University of Montreal and Polytechnique today, they all have that option in mind, right? Because they have examples, they have people who've, who've had success, who've done it once and twice, and that is changing the ecosystem. That means I hear a lot of people complain about millennials, right, and and the the new generations. For me, they are the best, right? The guys we that that come here right out of school. They're motivated. They're they're creative. Um, they want to do a lot more. Um, they don't want to be in their day to day nine to five jobs. So we we actually have a lot of success at Nubo. And you're bringing people from around the world to Montreal to work at Nubo. How hard is it to convince them to move to uh, to Montreal and to Canada? And what tends to be the 
the the clincher. It depends what time of the year you 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 bring them in their preview trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> This is not a really good time to. <laughs> They don't we, like winter here. Yeah, I know. We had we had guys from uh, from Europe come over in February to for their for their interviews, and that was not a good timing. We we could have planned that better. You talked about the ch Montreal's challenge of not having enough repeat entrepreneurs or serial entrepreneurs. You're mentoring uh, a number of, yep. of firms. What do you tell the, the entrepreneurs who you're mentoring? Uh, I guess it, it varies a lot, but I think um, if, if we get on the team of what is missing in Montreal, right, I think we, we, we need the ambition to, to change the world, right, and not just solve local problems. Right? And I'm seeing that happen in the new generation, but I think uh, it's it's not something that w was predominant in in a couple of generations back. So I think that's something that any startup entrepreneur that does a first trip to Silicon Valley and 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 goes and meets VCs on on Sandy Road and so on come back with that feeling of oh my God, like the US equivalent would have said this and I said that. So why do they think differently? <laughs> this is another super important thing. We've had an exodus of talent. How many Canadians are in Silicon Valley right now? Well, let's start bringing these guys back because they have huge learnings and experience from these years in Silicon Valley. So you, you've got 48 employees from 19 countries. Yes. Yeah. There's probably few places on, in the world that would... Yeah, there's a lot of languages. <laughs> ...would make that happen. <laughs> diversity yeah. uh, diversity yeah. at play. But you, get, you see the same thing happen in Toronto, right? Uh, Toronto is, is, is quite a vibrant ecosystem as well. Entrepreneurs, you said, uh, need to want to change the world. How, um, how is Nubo going to change the world? Well, we're, we're helping at a, at a micro level. We're helping traditional companies like manufacturers of valves to move from selling a piece of metal to transform their business and sell services and so on. So that's at the micro level, right? And, and in every field, whether you make water eaters or irrigation systems or big tractors, the, the companies will transform from selling a piece of hardware to selling services, data, and software will win and the others will die. So that's a got a Deal by deal, we try to do this. Then on the grand scheme of things, the use cases that we solve are energy savings and energy prediction and water savings and water predictions and better productivity. And, and overall, we, we hope that this is going to have an impact on, on, on economy, on the business, on the planet, right? So if, if I'm one of your customers, if I make stuff or yep. grow stuff or own, own stuff, a building, for, for instance, how do you want me to think differently about those assets? How, sh how should I see the, the world differently through, through IoT? Well, if you, if you make chillers, right, HVAC systems, your business has been selling big boxes that, cool, that, that, that produce cool air and the servicing and maintenance around it, right? What if... You, you end up giving those things away and sell cool air by the minute. And what if your aftermarket sales of filters becomes a bigger business because you can predict when filters need to be replaced and instead of having 250 filter makers and, and third-party companies 
grab that business, you end up grabbing it because you have more knowledge. In the end, data from your equipment is knowledge. Companies that are at the leading edge today before IoT, they collect data from everywhere in their process. They collect data in the manufacturing side of things. But the minute their product goes out the door, they become blind. And they wait for reviews on Amazon if it's a consumer product or, or service calls if it's an industrial product. So what if they get the knowledge throughout the life cycle and how does that transform their business? So IoT, if I understand you, is not really about uh, sensors or even data. It's about a business model or a way of thinking about business models. Yeah, yeah. sensors, connectivity, they're, they're enables, the enablers, they're toolkits to, to get it done, right? How, how do you see this playing out 10 years from now if trajectories continue? What will our economy what will our economy look like? Well, I, I, I think um, it, it obviously a lot more devices will be connected and the business case to connect them will no longer be, I want a remote control on that machine. It will be the data that I can collect is useful in a business process. Humans will now be used to make final decisions based on the recommendations that arise from these artificial intelligence algorithms and these algorithms feed on data, right? So, so this is how the, the whole the industries are changing. And, and so the impact on productivity, the impact on, on, on energy, the impact on, on everyday life are, are going to be quite, quite fantastic, but it's not an overnight thing. So I think for the, for, for the common person for for anyone in in my family your family they'll just see that as a very smooth evolution of things and you've got uh, young children there's pictures here on your yeah. uh, on your wall of them when you think to their future when they're adults in, in an iot world is it going to be better worse what do you well, I do hope it's going to be better, right? I wouldn't be at this if I thought it would be worse. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I, I think their world is going to be different, right? And not just because of IoT, but um, like, I, like my, my third one would probably never drive a car, right? And, and the way they buy products, the way they buy things is going to be different, right? Would, would, would you buy an appliance in the future, right? If those appliances are connected and the manufacturer can see and control and and manage the lifetime of the product, maybe you don't buy it anymore. And and this, so a lot of these things will change on the on the day to day. And it's not about the Jetsons and about your own being smarter than you. It's really about simplifying your life and changing how we consume. Maybe making it more efficient in in our. our kind of economy of consumption, 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 right? Frederick, thanks so much for this conversation and congratulations on all you're doing at Nubo. Thanks very much, John. And it's a pleasure to host you guys here. And obviously, we're looking forward to, uh, to the future growth of the company. We're having a lot of fun here. Oh, we'll, we'll be watching. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for downloading RBC Disruptors. Our show this week was produced by Peter Henderson. You can reach us at rbcdisruptors at rbc.com and join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag RBCDisruptors. I'm John Stackhouse from RBC. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.